welcome to the Advance Your Art podcast, where we talk about the journey from artist to entrepreneur and everything in between. You've worked hard to hone your craft. Now take it to the next level with tips, techniques, strategies, and routines used by successful artists to grow their businesses and careers. Now, let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Julie, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you for, for indulging me and uh, letting me interview you. So I spent a lot of time looking up your, your background, and there's a lot of different areas that you work in. How do you describe yourself and what it is you do, given all the things that you are currently working on? <laughs> well, if, if you, I mean, if you Google me, it would look like I, I'm working on a lot of things. Um, but that's not necessarily present tense. I've, I've, I've done a lot of things. Uh, I like to kind of take a look at my life all the time and go, okay, you know, what's my ideal day look like? Like, what kind of work do I want to be doing? Who do I want to be helping? And I'm always just pivoting a little bit to, to move a little closer to whatever I think my ideal day is. And, and it also changes as, as life changes. But um, kind of describing myself, my background is real estate. Uh, I have an MBA in real estate and finance. And I worked as a real estate investor and, and ran a real estate training and education company for many years in Canada. So when you Google me, you see a ton of real estate stuff. And through that, I also wrote my first book, which was called More Than Cashflow. And it was a real estate investing guide uh, for Canadians primarily, but, you know, based in a lot of stories kind of going against the hype. You know, there's a, a, a lot of people just talk about all the money you can make in real estate. So I decided to share some of the real stories of what can happen as a real estate investor, you know, like uh, being the not so proud owners of a crack house and having a property manager who got charged with manslaughter and, and a tenant pulling a, a knife on another tenant. You know, these kind of stories that the people who are selling you courses, they don't always warn you that. When you buy a bunch of properties, you're going to get a bunch of stories. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I wrote I wrote a, a book on that uh, as part of my real estate journey, and so that was kind of uh, you know my first foray into the world of of book writing. And over time, people started to come to me asking me questions about writing books, but also about how we built that real estate education and training company. So bit by bit, I kind of changed from real estate training over to more like branding and marketing and, and building a business. And and I did that. I did some uh, quite a bit of speaking around that and wrote a second book uh, called The New Brand You. Uh, but through all that, I kind of kept thinking, I don't I don't really want to be coaching people. I want to be doing something for them mm -hmm. uh, because Coaching's great. However, uh, I wanted to, at the end of the day, people often want to learn, but then when it comes time to do it, they don't always do what they need to do. So I wanted to create a company that provides a service where we do as much of the work for you as possible so that I'm not feeling sad at the end of the day because I worked with someone who never put the stuff into action. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So, so today uh, I run a company called Book Launchers, and we help uh, authors non primarily focus on nonfiction. So entrepreneurs, sales professionals, um, you know, people that have a, a service. Uh, we help them write, publish, and promote their their uh, nonfiction book. So it's it, that's what I do. We still have real estate back home mm-hmm. uh, in Canada. I've moved, by the way, I've moved from Canada to Los Angeles. That's where I am now in California. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, my focus is on book launchers, but uh, we still have real estate. But yeah, if you Google me, it does look like I do a lot, but I'm only really focused on book launchers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But because I, I did uh, Google you and, and yes, all of these. So everything you just touched upon, I've got questions about and they all did like pop up. So I was that was going to be one of my first questions, whether or not you're doing these concurrently or, you know, clearly, as you just described, it was kind of your evolution. Mm-hmm, exactly. So what made you want to get into real estate investing and going to school for that in the early days? So my when I was working in my very first job at I had my first job was selling diapers and Kleenex and and Kotex for Kimberly Clark and Canada and as much as it was really fun being a sales rep working for them I kept thinking it's going to be a really long life of working for somebody else so I started looking around to see what my options were and at the time I was already planning to go back to school uh, and I kept thinking, OK, well, I'm going to be a student, so I, I won't be able to take on a side business. So it had to be something that was not requiring my, my, my full time attention. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and real estate just kind of jumped out at me as something that I could get in place and have it generate some uh, quote unquote passive income, mm-hmm. uh, which is a term I kind of make fun of now when it comes to real estate investing. It's, it's really not passive, passive. <laughs> but, but you know, that was my goal at the time and to have my money working for me while I went to school. And, and that was the start was property one and two where I took my, my savings that were for school and I put them into my first couple of properties partnering with my boyfriend at the time, uh, who is now my husband that, which was good fortune because that would have been messy mm-hmm. otherwise <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah but uh yeah so we partnered together on on the first two properties and then we both thought this is this is pretty good let's uh let's figure out a way to to do more and carry on and so that was kind of how we got started oh great and was that in you said that was in canada is that correct yeah yeah our first our first couple properties were in a city called nanaimo on vancouver island but we ended up buying in six different cities across canada over the 15 16 i guess 16 years that that we were very active we like i said we still hold real estate but we're not that active in purchasing now oh sure so then as then you evolve then what made you decide to want to start writing about that I've always wanted to be a writer. Thank, I mean, truthfully, if there if it wasn't for a high school teacher who gave me bad, bad grades in, in in English in high school English, I probably would have pursued well that. And people tell you writers make no money. So nice. the combination of of thinking I would be poor and actually thinking I sucked at writing uh, de- defeated me. But as a child, I wrote lots of short stories. I actually had all these little stories published in in some papers in Canada and once some essay contests. So I always love to write. So as soon as I had a reason to write, which was sharing lessons and stories that would help other people avoid the mistakes and the disasters we went through, uh, I started writing immediately because I had a reason to, to pick up this craft that I actually always love to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, great. And then so how did you, so with, with your first book then, how did you get it 
published? Was it a, a self-published book or how did that first process go? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's a bit of a story. The short answer is initially I really thought I needed to work with a traditional publisher. And so I was going my platform in Canada had started to evolve and I started to go back and forth with a couple different publishers and got really close to a book deal with one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the end, I didn't get the deal, which devastated me at the time. But looking back, I think it was really a gift to not get it for a couple of reasons. One is that some of my colleagues who at the same time actually did get book deals, uh, a couple of them ended up uh, buying back their book. Uh, because one thing a lot of people don't realize is a lot of contracts with publishers, especially in the nonfiction world, they own the content that goes into that book. So if you want to sell courses, you want to evolve a whole platform of services and business that incorporates that material that goes into that book, you actually are limited in what you can do because the publisher owns that content. So so one of one of my friends bought his book back. Uh, bought all, you know, basically paid the publisher to now own the rights to his book. Mm-hmm. Uh, another other people have been um, <laughs> have run into the issue where the publisher decides to republish their book under somebody else's name. Um, so they decide that your book was not marketable under your name, but we've got somebody else who will market it better. And they, <laughs> and they take, and this actually happened to one of my friends. And this is, this is some of the things that can happen with a traditional publisher. So, uh, it, and a lot of people think that the traditional publisher offers you a lot, but really you still have to do the marketing. So mm-hmm. the one advantage is you get, it's much easier to get distribution when you're with a traditional publisher, but they take a, they take the royalties. Even if you get an advance, that's just an advance on your royalties. Uh, so they you pay, you get paid very, very little per book and you're still expected to be the one that does all the work to sell it. So it really depends on who you are and what your goals are. Uh, okay. Traditional publishing may not make sense. Um, for me, I was kind of forced into self-publishing uh, because I didn't get the traditional publishing deal. But in the end, I mean, I made way more uh, self-publishing than I ever would have made uh, from working with a publisher. And I, I learned a lot more and still I controlled it. So I was able to sell $2,000 weekend workshops with the same material that was in my book because I owned it and could do whatever I wanted going forward with the material. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's great. And I um, I had no idea that they could actually republish your book under someone else's name. That's uh, That sounds crazy to me. Well, it depends on your contract. So a lot of people, yeah. I mean, if you're ever negotiating a contract, make sure you've got an agent that represents you. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- because I think that some of my colleagues didn't necessarily have representation. They were just so uh, darn excited to have a, have a traditional <laughs> publisher, right? And, right? and again, an agent will take money out of, you know, so it's you're distributing, distributing money because your mm-hmm. agent is going to take money. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're big enough that you're negotiating with a big publisher, uh, you really need to have somebody who's reading that contract and making sure that you're not giving up stuff that that you don't want. I mean, audiobook, international rights, these are all things that you want to make sure you're you're considering um, because as a self-publisher, you own it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're working with anybody else, you got to read the fine print really carefully and make sure it's actually something that's good for you. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So then your your the next book you wrote, the Build Your Brand Toolkit, um, and then you started getting into advising people on their brands. What um what made you decide to make that switch from real estate into uh, branding? 
uh, two things. One is people, that's really what I was teaching people. So my husband was kind of the money guy. So he would help people figure out the numbers of the deal and I would help them build their brand so they could attract capital, attract the deals, negotiate the best deals. So I was always coaching people on that sales and, and branding side anyway, while my husband was running them through the numbers because he was a mortgage broker once upon a time. Um, so what actually happened was uh, we were having a conversation five years ago now and he was, was working on a commercial deal that I didn't really, I was like, mm, we don't need this property. Um, and it fell through. And I said, well, why were you working on it anyways? And it came out that he was bored. He said, well, you know, I, I got to do something. So what am I going to do? And so I said to him, I said, well, listen, what would you do? If, you know, take money off the table. So don't worry about what you can make money doing. Just what, what, what would you like to do? And he said, well, I'd love to be an actor or a, music, a, music, a musician or play in a rock band, I think is actually what he said. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, well, I've heard you sing and I, you don't play an instrument. So, so, so maybe, <laughs> maybe the rock band isn't going to happen, but, but uh, maybe acting. So I kind of, you know, we just sat with it for a minute and he said, well, what should I do? And I said, well, you could always just take a class and see if you like it. And so he did. And he and it turns out he loves acting. And, and so from that day forward, he started to pursue a career as an actor, which is why we're now in Los Angeles. Mm. But uh, so he slowly removed himself from our real estate coaching business. And so I didn't want to coach people on the numbers side of the business. So I basically just dropped the number side and focused on helping people with the sales and marketing and negotiation, which opened the door to work with people other than just real estate investors um, and help them build their brands and their businesses. So that was kind of the evolution of, of that piece. Okay, sure. So what would you tell someone if they came to you and they said, I'm terrible at sales and I can't sell anything? <laughs> well, it depends why they're selling and what they're trying to sell. Because sometimes, you know, if you're trying to sell something you don't believe in, mm -hmm. and, and that goes for yourself. If you don't believe in yourself and you're trying to sell yourself to somebody, um, you know, the first thing you have to do is kind of fix that, is is know your value and know the value of whatever it is you're offering. And, and if what you're offering is a good fit for the other person, then if you're, if you've built a brand and, and people know your value, first of all, you don't have to sell people come to you and they're, they're asking you to, to work with you. Uh, but the other thing is to just focus on fit, to mm -hmm. always just be looking for that person that is a good fit or that company. You know, if you're, if you're in college, for example, and you're looking for your job, uh, find a fit where you add value. You can kind of solve, you can solve the problem that person has. And an employer is just someone with a problem that needs a solution. Uh, so find that employer that you offer the perfect solution to. Find that client that you that needs that need, has a problem that you can solve. And if you focus on finding fit and solving problems, then you're not selling. Yeah, that's so. That's a really great way to describe it. I have not heard it necessarily described like that, but um, that makes perfect sense because you're right. If you're just finding that fit with somebody, then it's it is it's almost like it just takes care of itself. Exactly, and you know it's it's just a little bit of a mindset shift versus the you know because I did do the hardcore sales training, mm -hmm. always be 
always be closing. And that stuff makes me, <laughs> it makes me sick to my stomach. Uh, cause I am definitely not that kind of a person. I, mm-hmm. I won't, I won't chase you down. I'm not going to relentlessly pursue your business. You know, I will let you know that my services exist and that I would love to work with you if it makes sense and I can help you achieve your goals. Uh, but I'm not going to relentlessly try to close you. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would never teach other people to do that. And, and that's also why I think branding is powerful. It's also why I really think writing a book is one of the best things you can do for yourself because that book creates credibility like nothing else and will bring people to you uh, really like no other marketing. It's the only marketing piece that people won't throw out. I mean, create any other kind of marketing piece and people will throw it out. Give them a book and unless it's you know, unless it doesn't look very good at all, they're not going to throw it out, right? They're going to give it away. They're going to have it sit on their bookshelf, uh, but it just doesn't go in the garbage. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's talk about your company, Book Launchers. What? So why did you initially launch it? And then what kind of services do you offer? And and what does someone actually need before they come to you for a project? Okay. That was a lot of questions. That was. I so, <laughs> <laughs> so first one was, um, why did I start it? Yes. Is that the first one? Basically? Yes. Okay. We'll start, we'll start with that yeah. one. Why did you launch okay. book launches? And then we'll, I'll, I'll re-unpack those. Perfect. That's good. Cause I have a good memory, but <laughs> it needs help. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I, I started this uh, largely because of my first book was really successful uh, in Canada. Uh, it's lightning kind of struck, but I actually went to number one overall on Amazon. So my little self-published niche nonfiction book was sitting with Dan Brown and the Game of Thrones series uh, for a day and a half, you know, selling, selling up there at number one, which was pretty phenomenal. Wow. So because of that success, uh, a lot of people ask me questions about how to self-publish and how to sell. And I ended up just shooting a bunch of videos for YouTube because I'm one of those people who I really want to help a lot of people. But at the same time, I only have so many hours in the day. So I really didn't like saying I don't have time to help you. But I really didn't have time to help everyone. So I just I just shot a bunch of YouTube videos kind of answering all the most common questions just to just to give people something to go refer to. Uh, and so over time, I really started to build a an audience of people who wanted to self-publish without really intending to do anything with it. Uh, but always something that I've wanted to help people with and have just done so. And then when we decided to make the move to Los Angeles, and like I said, I was tiring of coaching. I really wanted to find something to help people and take a lot of the work off their shoulders because there's a lot lot of companies, again, like I mentioned, some of these traditional publishers, but there's also other hybrid publishers and other done for you kind of publishing companies out there uh, that have some shady practices. Mm -hmm. And I didn't I didn't like how a lot of self-publishers can be taken or people who want to self-publish can get taken advantage of. You know, one thing just to watch out for if anybody is thinking of doing this is is if somebody's going to they say, oh, um, we'll sell you copies of your book at rock bottom prices. They probably aren't. That's probably one of the areas they're making money on uh, on you. And, and I don't think that's fair. I think, you know, it's your book. You should be able to buy it for printing costs. Yeah. So, you know, it's those little things that kind of bugged me. So I wanted to create a company that helps people write and publish and ultimately promote their book. But it's all theirs. They own it all. You don't ever have to come and call me to get printed copies. You will have your own account. You can go buy them for the cheapest price out there. 
you know, I just really wanted to create a, a self-publishing company that helps people reach their goals without having our hand out at every corner to, to kind of sneakily make profits. And and so it kind of married all of the little pieces. You know, it's, it's a whole bunch of things from my background all coming together uh, to create this. And, and, and then I got to hire the coolest people uh, because we did move to L.A. and I didn't know this was going to be a benefit. But there's a phenomenal community of people who are tired of doing freelance work, who have phenomenal re- resumes, who are just anxious to work uh, on a steady job. Mm-hmm. And so I had Emmy award winning writers, Emmy nominated writers, people who've worked with New York Times bestselling authors, all these people applying to work with me. So it kind of it, it's it was something an added bonus that I didn't know was coming, but I'm, re- I'm really loving about this business. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So, okay. So let's say that, um, again, someone wants to hire you for this service. Uh, what's the, what's the process like and what do I need to like, do, is it just, I need an idea and then you help them or help me through that process. How does that work? Yeah, so we'll work with a lot of different people as long as it's a nonfiction book. So right now I've got a client who has a memoir. She has a story. Mm-hmm. Her aunt, she it was basically her uncle's story from uh, World War II from the Blitz in London. So she just has a you know research and some family stories, and so she's come to us with that. We have other people who have a a service that they currently provide that they want to turn into a book to partly to market, but also because they have a message to to supply around it. And then we have another client. Who, who says, I know I want to write a book, but I don't really know if I have enough expertise. Uh, but he said, but I'm willing to do the research and do some interviews. And so he's kind of taking the Napoleon Hill, you know, the think and grow rich approach where, you know, Napoleon Hill wasn't the one with the expertise. Uh, he went out and he interviewed all these people who had made all this money. And by virtue of those interviews, he built his expertise and, of course, has one of the most uh, most sold books in the world uh, with with that. So we kind of have a mix of, of people that come to us. But what I what I built into the process was the very first phase is I call it the pen to paper phase. But you work with a writing coach. So I've hired writing coaches who will help you develop your your idea. So if you're not clear, we get it down to one sentence. We figure out who your audience is, and then they help you develop an outline and a writing plan so that you're always knowing what you're working on. If you only have 20 minutes a day, you need to make sure you know what you're doing with those 20 minutes. So you've got a plan and you follow the plan. And that coach will answer that question that burns in everybody's mind when you're writing. And I know this from personal is, does this suck? And does anybody care? Um, <laughs> right? Right. And so your writing coach will answer that for you in a nice way. <laughs> and and so from there, uh, you then have a person that's your client care person, and they guide you through the other four phases. So we have the pen to paper. Then it goes into the processing phase where we have an edit. You know, we have professional editors that will do a good copy edit. They'll do a proofread. And then it goes from there to design and layout, which is in the publishing phase. And then we go to platform because you have to have somewhere to sell your book from. So we'll help you with your social media, you know, guide you through setting up your own author website if you don't already have a website and then into promotion. And we have two levels of surface and the one level, uh, the VIP level, we'll just kind of tell you some of the things that would make best practices and help you set up a launch plan. At the Mm -hmm. platinum level, we're actually out there pitching you to podcasters, trying to get you media, even corporate attention if your book's a fit. Um, We're trying to help you sell your book at that level. Uh, It just depends what what your goals are and what makes sense for for you and your book. 
budget, of course. Um, but yeah, it's, it's from, from start to finish, we'll help you. And if you're coming to us with a finished manuscript, we still send you back to the writing coach to make sure that you've got a clear audience and a clear pitch line uh, so that we can still help you promote your book at the end. Oh, that's great. That's, uh, that's yeah, it's actually fantastic that you do uncover so many of those those pivotal moments. And then, so the the final product that is then released is that considered is that self published? Do you work with uh, different independent publishers afterward? It's still self published. Again, my whole thing was that I want you to own it and control it. So okay. we'll help we'll help you set up what's called a print on demand account. Uh, we'll even help you figure out which one makes sense for your goals because there's lots of them out there. But the two main ones are Create Space, which is owned by Amazon, and Ingram Spark, which is owned by Lightning Source, and and they're part of the Ingram catalog. So if you want to have wider distribution, you know that be who you would go with. Um, but we'll help you figure out all those things. But we actually. We'll actually help you set up the account for yourself so that you own it. And again, I don't, you, I really want you to have the control at the end of the day and not have to come back to me. And a lot of the other services out there, you know, if you publish under them, mm-hmm. they own your book or mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of stuck to them for changes in the future. Or, uh, if you want to go print it somewhere else for whatever reason, you'll need their written permission because technically you're not the publisher. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to avoid all these things that trap up uh, people unknowingly and, and really set it up in the best interest of the author. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm sure since you chat with a lot of people who, who want to be authors, um, they, they constantly, uh, get writer's block or just suddenly kind of get stuck on things. How do you and your, and your coaches kind of help them through that process? Yeah, so writer's block happened. Well, there's two there's two answers to that question. Writer's block usually happens because you don't have enough research or you're not clear. Hmm. And and really, that's why I brought the writers, the writing coach in, because, you know, the writing coach will help identify if you don't have enough research or if you're not clear. And so by creating the plan from the start, you you probably will avoid that because the writing coach is going to say, OK, you know, give me a chapter summary of each chapter. So before you're writing, you already know what every element of your book is going to be, hmm. uh, which makes it so much easier to write. And the other piece of that is is sometimes writer's block comes from fear. So you're you're holding back because you're afraid of what you're about. You know, will people judge this? Will people, um, you know, people won't like this part or maybe I, I don't think I'm enough or I'm not good enough yet to write this part. Uh, again, that's where, you know, having a team in your side to cheer you on and let you know, hey, listen, this is really good stuff. You really need it. That's part of it. The other part is also, you know, I'll be blunt. People will judge you. And when you publish your book, you will get a one star review, if not a couple. Uh, you know, the goal is to have a hundred five star reviews to counteract those couple of jerks that probably didn't even read your book (laughs) (laughs) that are having a bad day and they want to take it out on you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But you know, there will be judgment and you just have to be okay with that and know that what you have to say is important enough that it's worth those couple of people that will judge you. And it's worth getting that message out and it's going to help you achieve your overall goals. And you know, then you're okay with a couple one star. Well, I wouldn't say you're okay. It's never fun getting a one. I mean, just like your podcast, right? If if somebody goes on iTunes and gives it a one star, that's going to suck. But (laughs) so you're not looking forward to it, but it means you're ruffling feathers. You're standing out. People are taking notice. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You're supposed to take the good with the bad from what I'm told. But, uh, but yeah, definitely when I get low reviews, I'm, I'm, also less than thrilled about that. Uh, 
But, so, but you don't get very many. And if you're listening, give no, him a five-star review because right. he's working really hard to bring you valuable content. Exactly. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate that. You're hired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what's the – so if someone came to you with, with an idea um, and could work, I don't know, a, a few hours a day on this project, what's kind of uh, an average timeline from the moment they hire you until they release their, their book? Ooh, an average timeline's hard because nobody is average, right? And every, right. Every... <laughs> that's that's true. But I was hoping hoping to catch a one on that one, but um, but yeah, like you know, yeah. What okay, do you so see let's... most prevalent? Maybe is that a better way to describe that? Yeah, I mean, okay. we're 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 still a new company. Like I've just launched it this year, so I can't hmm. say that you know typically books are this long. But what okay. I can tell you is what we're targeting. So if you're, and, and again, it does depend on the size of book your goals, their platform, you know, how much research you've already done. So there's lots of factors, but generally for a typical size nonfiction how-to book, so like my two books, um, you're looking at about 65,000 words. Mm -hmm. uh, they came out, I think they're about 180 pages in a six by nine book. Uh, we're looking at a year from start to finish, and that includes about three months of promotion. Okay. So you're looking at probably four to six months to write and, you know, get that first draft really solid. And then it takes another three months to go through that polishing, uh, like through the publishing and pr processing and publishing phase. And then another another three months to really promote and launch your book. So okay. generally, we're targeting a year time frame. Um, it can be done faster. And, you know, it certainly can take longer if the author wants to do a lot more, you know, revisions or add things or they're just really really slow at the writing process so it certainly can take longer but generally we're shooting for a year um and if you come to us with a lot of stuff done it can go a lot faster okay oh that's great i'm curious then in in your own life because there's a lot of different things that you are working on and currently doing how do you manage your own time and and focus are there are there apps you use or daily rituals that you have that helps you um, take care of every, take care of everything. I'm old school pen and paper. I have to have things written down. I I do use time blocking. Okay. So uh, you know I I and I do this the night before. I always plan out my next day and block the time and and make sure that the most important things are scheduled as early as I can. Uh, so that they get done. And and ultimately, if I'm going to write, a really important tip for writers is I call it the three T's, uh, you know, the target, the topic and time. So what I what I taught myself around writing is to train myself to try to write at a, at a specific time every day, which for me was typically in the morning and to always know what you're going to sit down and write before you do it. So so knowing your topics, so you've got your time of day, you've got your topic so that you're not sitting down thinking, what am I going to write about? Right. Mm -hmm. You're sitting down to actually write. And and then the target is to have a target, whether you're going to write for 30 minutes or you're going to write 500 or a thousand words. But just to have that kind of quantifiable goal. So when you hit it, you know, you're done. And if you're on a, on a roll, keep going. But uh, just to give you that that, you know, that target to keep working towards. So for writing, that's kind of the tip. But for day to day, for me, it's all about time blocking. I have a baby. Uh, he's, he's only five months. <laughs> he's not even quite five months old. So I really have to uh, time block and schedule because uh, my life is hardly my own right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. I bet. What would you say is the best advice you've ever received? 
<laughs> the best advice I've ever received, it's hard because I've, I've been very fortunate to network and connect with a lot of great people. But I think one of the pieces that really helped me, and it goes back to what we were talking about in sales and all of those things, was uh, I was nervous. You know, when I started doing a lot of talks and speaking, uh, you know, whether it was in front of 10 or 500 people, I would get really, really nervous. And to the point where, I, you know, I've had I, my, one of my big talks, one of my very first big talks I did uh, was in front of 400 people. And it was my first time ever wearing a mic. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I actually basically blacked out. I don't remember. I remember starting off telling a story and, and looking out at the audience at a part where it was supposed to be funny. And all I saw was the sea of straight faces, except for down in the very front row to the left was my husband and, and a friend, colleague of mine named Tahani, and they were laughing, but nobody else was laughing. And that's my memory of this talk for the, I don't remember anything else. I, I let, you know, I left the stage and went off the stage and then I started to remember, but I really have no recollection of this. And so I, I ran into uh, somebody else who was a speaker at that event, um, at another event shortly after. And he, you know, complimented me on that. And I said, you know, I said, I, I was so nervous. I, I honestly don't remember how it went or what it felt like or anything. And, and he gave me some great advice. He said, he said, you know, he said, I still get nervous. And this is a guy who speaks in front of thousands and thousands of people all the time. Mm -hmm. um, he said, I still get nervous. But he said, what I do is he said, I, I don't worry about what people are going to think of me because he said, that's when I get the most nervous is I'm worried about pleasing everyone in the room. He said, so I try not to think about everyone. I think about that one person who needs to hear my message that day. And I focus on that person. So I'm not worried about me. I'm not worried about my message. I'm worried about making sure that I connect with that person and I say what needs to be said to to really help that one person that day. And it kind of it just took the pressure off and it it helped me realize that I'd been so worried about what people would think of me that I had forgotten that I was there to help them. And and it just kind of changed everything for me. So I think uh, that that is probably the best advice or certainly right up there. <laughs> sure. Well, it's definitely uh, great wisdom. So thank you for that one. So again, thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you and to see more about what you're working on? Yeah, well, as as you noted, if you Google my name, you can find me everywhere. But <laughs> but the best way to get in touch with me is to go to our website, booklaunchers.com. So booklaunchers.com. You can connect with me on social media. And if you are interested in writing and, and publishing a book, there's lots of tips. And you can download a book, uh, like a free ebook on how to uh, sell your book. It's basically eight ways to s uh, sell a thousand copies of your book for under $100. That ebook is available on our website as well. So lots of ways to connect with me. And I, I'd love to hear from you if you're, if you're interested in writing a book. I'm happy to chat with you about it. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I'm going to add those um, links in the show notes so people can just click on through and, and get a hold of you that way. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Julie, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's fun to be on your show. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Advance Your Hour podcast. If you like this episode, please go into iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button so that every single time I release a new episode, it will go directly to you without even thinking about it. If you're interested in hearing older episodes, please go to AdvanceYourArt.com where you can find the catalog of everything I've done so far, as well as contact information and projects I'm working on. 
Thank you again and have a great day.